In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, we have a very special guest, Barbara. Hello, Barbara. How are you doing? Hello, Pamela. So glad to be here. Joy and a pleasure to be here today. It's such an honor to have you. I love your story, your spirit, and everything about you. So I can't wait to talk further with you and, and learn more about you and your journey today. Okay. Yay. So I always say, you know, the framework is where you've been, where you are, and sort of where you're going. And I always leave it up to you where you like to start. Maybe (laughs) where I'm now Yes. and how I got there. So I am a very accomplished, fulfilled woman of 50 years old, (laughs) (laughs) running a successful business who has different pillars. Part of his is business coaching for BMW, part is personal coaching, I have an online school, and I have some a web shop with physical products. Mom of three, happily married for more than 20 years, but that hasn't always been like that. So this morning, I was looking in the mirror, and I was watching myself, and I said, Barbara, the older you get, the more beautiful you get. And that's my spirit. It's in every morning, every day, I feel like shining more. I feel like sharing more. And it's, you can say, wow, Barbara, wow, yes. But it took me many hardships, many challenges, many tears to get here. And without the hardships, without the tears, you know, like I cried a sea of tears in my life, a sea of tears. But the hardships, the challenges, the pain in overcoming it, in overcoming it, you blossom. If you have the courage, you know, like to every time again, get up again and say, okay, we learn from it. What is the lesson here? What's the blessing here? How horrible the situation might be at that moment. And it makes you, sometimes I compare people, we are like unpolished diamonds Mm -hmm. and hardships polish us. Yes. If I can tell you, Pamela, if I would never have had any challenge, I would have become an arrogant blonde bitch. I know. <laughs> I know. It's true. It's true. The, the hardships got me on my knees and humble. Yeah. The hardships got me on my knees and more compassionate for myself and for others. So 50 years old now. But 18 years ago, there was an enormous turning point in my life. At 32 years, I was diagnosed with a stage four skin cancer. I was running a construction business at that time. And I was a young mom of three. And my youngest was only a few weeks old. 
So there was a black spot on my knees, which was discovered just after my youngest was born. And in the beginning, I wouldn't even go to a doctor because you're running a business, three small kids, your husband is combining two jobs, you know, like you're in the middle of that enormous, how could you say it? It's that building of your life. You're, yeah. you know, like that building. And that's from morning till night. That's babies, business, you know, like there's even yep. barely time to be, to reflect about your life. You're just happy that you're getting your bed at night and you have five, six hours of sleep. That's already, you know, like a victory, sleeping five or six hours with three little kids and a business. So at the beginning, I wouldn't even go to the doctor. And my husband was like, mm, that black, black spot on your knee, it's bleeding a little like, it, honey, you have to go. And I was like, no, I have no time. Eventually, I promised my husband, I went to the doctor's. And uh, it was a little surgery, like around the spot. And he was like very chill about it. We'll send it to the laboratory and they, they will just check it out and you will get a result in 10 days. And 10 days later, I got a call from the surgeon who took away the spot, but I didn't remember his name. So he says, hello, I'm Dr. Van der Putt. Um, and I was like, who? I was at the office uh, Monday morning. And he says, well, we got the results and it doesn't look good. The first moment was, he is mistaken. I'm not the person he wants to talk to. I don't know what you're talking about. He says, you know, remember 10 days ago, you came to cut away. And I was like, oh, yes. And he says, you have to come to the hospital immediately. Immediately? I have no time. You have to come and you have to take your husband with you was oh my god and still I didn't believe it and I said can we come later and he said lady it is a melanoma and it doesn't look good I was a melanoma it's skin can he really had to say it he didn't want to say it on the phone but he I forced almost to to make him tell how how bad the situation was mm. and we went you know like we went to hospital and then it started a week of tests two surgeries and a year of chemotherapy. And I was told in the early beginning, because I had me, everything was like metastasis in my lymph nodes. Yeah. I was told I had practically six months more to live. So you're 32 years old, three little kids, and your husband is almost old. He is told that he will be a widower soon. So that, that's a huge shock. And first night in hospital, just, you know, like to give a little sense, like the hardships and first night in hospital was, was so tough for me, most of all, as a young mom, mm -hmm. you're, you're very used to be, you know, like you have always a baby or a toddler, you have the warmth, you, you know, like they, they always need you. And there you are like alone for the first time in years, I was alone in a room nobody around me and like that that facing like then it dawned to me oh my god I'm here in hospital I and first thing I thought I miss my babies I miss my babies and I started crying and I made a shift I was like okay my babies are still so small they do not realize what's happening my oldest was three years and a half I had one of two years and a half and a newborn and they were with my parents, parents-in-law. So I was thinking they are surrounded with love. Mm -hmm. They think they are, they're on a holiday. 
no, like surrounded with love and care. Mm. So I was like, it's no use crying for them. Mm. They are okay. Mm. And then the next thought was like, Barbara, what is the thing you can do right now to help yourself? Mm. And I promised myself that I would not allow any negative thought or any depressed thought in my head. I would not allow it. And it was the only thing I had control over. My health, I had to surrender to the doctors. And I had full trust in the doctors. Mm. But my mind was under my control. And I was very well aware that negativity and depressed thoughts would weaken me. Mm. And I knew that staying positive would, would strengthen me. And that was the first thing that, you know, it was like a survive. Maybe it was still the hormones from, from the pregnancy. I don't know. I was just, the youngest was a few weeks old. But I had to, like a tigress, a mom who's like, I'm going to survive to see my kids grow up. That was, you know, like that was so, so permanent in my head. And I didn't. In the first days, you know, like people come to visit you in the hospital, everybody's crying. And my husband, he cried, you know, like nonstop. He's very emotional. He's more like Italian type, so very emotional family man. And I had to stop my parents. They were like in their early 50s, like, you know, like the age that I'm almost now. And, every, and I said, stop, stop. There's nobody, not one person will enter this room and cry. I'm not dead. Mm. I'm not dead yet. Mm. And I'm not going to waste my energy mm-hmm. in pumping you up. You know? And I said, no tears. If you want to cry, go outside. Not here. Here I want to see smiling faces. I want to feel the warmth, the love. And I just tell me random things. What's happening outside the, these hospital walls? Mm. So I had it kind of educate them. And it was very, there were even people who were almost shocked when I said stop, because there is a kind of, some person, people are like, oh my God, Barbara, are you okay? And oh, how horrible, what's happening to you? You know, you see how I'm going? Yes. And it's as if they're thriving on the drama and the negativity. And I would say stop. And they wanted to, to hear all about my surgeries and the pain. Well, stop. I'm not going to repeat the pain I went through. Because mm-hmm. if I repeat that, I relive it. And I don't want that. Mm-hmm. So what you speak, what you think is so powerful. Yep. Who you surround yourself with. And these are like main life lessons. Those are not only for people who have cancer. It's for your everyday life. Watch the words you speak because yes. they become your reality. And sometimes people don't get it. What do you mean words become reality? Well, if you say, if I look at the mirror every morning and I say, oh my God, I'm getting old. Look at these floppy arms. No, I look and I say, Barbara, the older you get, more beautiful you get because it's not about my skin and my body Pamela it's my spirit my spirit if my spirit is shining no age counts Mm -hmm. amen to that it's the spirit within you so it's not 
and I don't have anything special. Maybe I had the courage to learn from every hardship. So there was, first of all, like the focus on the positive thoughts. The second thing that happened was I had all those weeks, those months in hospital, was thinking about my legacy. Because if you're faced to death, I was like, oh, so if this is really true and I'm dead at the end of the year, I'm 32, am I happy with the life I'm looking back at? The answer was no, I was not happy. And why? Until that moment, most of the time I had lived up to the expectations of others. Mm -hmm. I had based my choices on what I thought would be good. What is expected from me? What is, you know, I, I chose a business that my parents did. I thought, okay, if I'm, you know, like, what so many people have, you are born, you go to school, you go to college, you marry a job, you retire, you die. But the passion, and you could say what your soul is here for, people never listen because they only hear the noise of the world. But they never listen to inside, to the whispers of the soul, which are very quiet. We have to become still to hear them. Yes. It's so easy to only listen to your parents, you know, well, oh, you started in a business or are you going to do that job? Are you sure? Oh, my God, you have to get a degree. All those voices. We are brainwashed, brainwashed every day that we need a certain size of a house to become happy, a certain size of a car, a certain kind of family, a certain kind of title. And those bring happiness. The biggest lie ever. Those will never bring happiness if you, inside you, don't carry happiness. Mm -hmm. Because there are people living on the street in India who are happy just with a handful of rice every day. So they don't need the car. They don't need the title. They don't. So we have been brainwashed that, that happiness is outside us. It's somewhere we have to run to. Everybody has to run to some place for that happiness. No, stop it. Yes. Just become quiet and listen. What is it that makes your heart sing? What is it? What is that spark? What is that seed that has been planted in your heart that you have to water, you give water and let it blossom? And for me, it's, you know, it's easy for me to say it now, but it's like, 24, 25 years of self-development, inner work. Um, yes. I, now, after, after I recovered from the cancer, I still run my construction business and started following coaching certification courses because I felt like that is something guiding people. I have been, done, been doing that naturally. You know, like I was a person in the entire family, people called to when they had, you know, like problems, didn't feel well. So I did it naturally. I was like, okay, if that's just who I am, listening, listening and seeing from a certain perspective and always seeing the spark that most people don't see anymore because they covered it with so many beliefs yeah. about how they should be that they don't see like, what's my purpose? What's my spark? And, and, and help them find that and support and encourage. So took courses, went to retreats, conferences, you know, and, and started a coaching business as a side business. 
And in 2016, I was still running my construction business because I wanted to end that beautifully. Mm-hmm. And life decided otherwise. I was betrayed by two employees and I ended up with almost $200,000 of debt. I was 46 years old and I had again like that bad moment. I was lying in bed and I was like, you know, like talking to God. Like seriously, I survived the stage four cancer to end up here. That day I had had a call from the bank who wanted to sell our private home. So we would practically become homeless. And you see the house, we're still living in it. Um, And that was like, oh my God, you know, like how did we um, end up here? And in, you know, like having that conversation, like seriously. So what's the lesson here? That's what I was asking myself. So what in this horrible situation, what's the lesson? And I got like something that came over me and told me like, Barbara, whether tomorrow you are homeless or not, you are a good and worthy person anyway. And I was like, oh my God, all those years, I had been identifying myself with the business, the big car, the beautiful house. Even if I didn't really realize that, I was attached to it. And now in being taken, almost being taken and everything away, I was like, oh my God, even without living on the streets, I would still be a good person. And I could make, you know, like we we got protected against bankruptcy. And now, um, you know, like all those troubles are over. I had very, very quickly an opportunity from BMW to work with them. In the beginning, work below my level. But I said, yes, I had to swallow my pride. I worked as a contractor, just more administration work. But if you have an intrinsic value, it boils up. So after two months, they told me, oh, could you do quality management first? Oh, could you do the customer board? And within six months, I was part of the management team there. But if I had not swallowed my pride the first weeks, because all I could think of is I have to make money. I have to make money. I have to make, I have to get out of this. And now, you know, like five years later, It's still a big part of my business, my work with BMW. I have my personal coaching clients. The feeling inside me of I did it or we did it, my husband and I, is the most powerful feeling. Because in life, I know you have ups and downs now. Nothing is forever and nothing is sure. Tomorrow, something can happen that... My house is taken away. My car is taken away. But the most, be- the most important thing will never be taken away. And what is that? My self-worth. The value that I can bring into the world. And that knowing that I can bring value. That's so that's, that's why I'm here. And I can, I can add my, my, no, my childhood was quite rough. I had, but it made me stronger. So if you use every difficulty as fuel, you know, like as fuel to become better. And at the same time, I didn't, I, I, be, I became a lot stronger, but I'm st- still a very, you could say, soft person 
or a compassionate person. It's not like I became um, heartless or bitter or rude. I would never, I always preserved, I was very conscious about that, preserving that, that sunshine, that ray of sunshine, however dark it was. And I have learned People say, oh my God, Barbara, you don't see the darkness. You don't see the evil in the world. You're too positive and you always see. I say, no, the darkness is an invitation for you to be the light. Absolutely. You know, what I really love about you is in your moments that people would lose their minds, you mm-hmm. know, sitting in that hospital bed, you were still you still had the strength mm-hmm. to tell people like, Hey, no crying. No crying. <laughs> no crying. That doesn't help me. That is like, so I, I like, can't get over that. You know, mm-hmm. that just tells me how strong your spirit is and your soul, you know, that you're able to say, no, we're going to shift our mentality. You know, yes. it's a lot of strength. Have to. That. It takes have a lot of strength to. to do that. Even when you're not sick, let alone when you, you know, when you are sick. And well, you're I grew up with a chronically depressed mom Mm. and she was also um, an alcohol addict at that time. Now she, she fully recovered. And I could see as a child, it learned me so much how people who are, you could say chronically depressed, who are addicted, always use their circumstances to pull themselves down. Yes. If someone said a word, they will take it wrongly and say, you see, I'm worth nothing. And I'm, I'm very, you know, like I had the best. I love my mom dearly. We have a very good connection. We went through a whole circle of, you know, like deep forgiving. And she's sober since four years. So a very healed relationship now. But we went through a lot. We went through a lot. And seeing that, like... As a child, you know, like you, you observe, maybe that's, I'm, I'm passionate about human behavior. Yes. And just observing, you know, like as a child seeing, oh my God, this time it's my dad who said something wrong or it's the kids who bothered her. She lived a trauma as a child, a very, very heavy trauma. And in a time where there was no, you know, like, no psychologist, no, nobody helped her. So I understand now where she came from and she did the best she could every time. But it opened my eyes, it opened my eyes and it made me so much stronger. That's why I said in, in every hardship, in every difficult situation, there is an opportunity for growth. Yes. Take it, take it. And blaming and complaining never helped anyone. If you read biographies of people we all admire, whether it's Gandhi, Mandela, Benjamin Franklin, all those people, all those, they all went to deep, you know, like deep trouble, real hardship. But it's at those moments, those leadership skills that come up. Yes. Their courageous choices to say no, like Mandela, 26 years of prison, not coming, becoming bitter. I'm not becoming anti-white people. You know, like just having that strong vision for your life. And since, you know, like 
since coming out of hospital, I was really like, what do I want to, I'm really very conscious about what I'm doing and the brand that I'm creating. And it's based on two values. And I would invite everybody who has a, a business to really think about that. Like the values, which are very important for me, do I carry that through in my business? Yes. For me, it's, first of all, I'm a free spirit, so freedom, but then love and wisdom. So in everything that I bring into the world, for me, I always look, is it based on love and wisdom? I want you, Pamela, every post you see from me, every video you see, whatever material you see from me, that you say, yes, that's Barbara. It's love and wisdom. I love that. And every, and, and I think it's something I do with my coaching clients too. Like, okay, pour down your two or three core values in life, those core values, and look at it. Do you have it in your relationships? Do you have it in your business? Is it in your self-development, because it's very easy to be, and there are many of them, so-called coaches who can say it. But I always look at the life. Are they happily married? How is their relationship with their nearest ones? How do they relate to their parents, to their sisters, brothers, to their children? Are those relationships like healed and powerful? I think that's very, very important. Like the life, I can tell you, married. In January, my husband and I will know each other 25 years. But we have gone through very difficult times. Very difficult. There were moments that I wanted to take, you know, like, and just run away. But we grew through it. We grew through it. We had the courage to, you know, like, to face because... I think we are very mistaught also in relationships, especially in romantic relationships. We are taught like, oh my God, we have to find that prince. <laughs> yes. There's no prince. We all have a, a luggage. We have all, you know, like we all. So you come, you marry. And I was like, oh my God, my, my husband. And I put him on that pedestal and I served him and I loved him and I pampered him. And he was like, He's a um, astrology. He's a Leo. So he was like, "Oh my God, I love this. I'm being served. This is wonderful. <laughs> this is wonderful." And he just enjoyed it. And I was waiting, and I was waiting, and he was just. And there's like those expectations, those things un unsaid, and yeah. for me, I had to learn that. It's to. That those expectations are the worst things you can have. That acceptance of who he is, but also learn to take care of myself. It's not my husband who is responsible for my happiness. No, I am. And that was a long journey to learn that. Because we are taught my husband has to make me happy. My children have to make me happy. No, I have to be happy and be a role model. And in being joyful, your relationship just changes. Right, right. And I know it's not, you know, like in, in having that self-growth, it's not for every, some people grow so in such a way that their partner cannot follow. And that's okay too. Sometimes that happens, a breakup. Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough that my husband and I, 
you know, like at 50 years, we are more in love than ever. And it's the love of, it's that acceptance and that knowing, you know, like all is well, even if we have discussions and even sometimes in the kitchen, it's loud and we, you know, like there's a yelling and the undercurrent is so powerful and loving. Love that. I love that. And you're about to celebrate your 25 years. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I can hardly imagine. I only feel 25 years in my heart. <laughs> you know. Oh. Awesome. But I think that that's one of the biggest teachers, the biggest, you know, like your closest relationships. How do you relate to the people you are with every day? Are you being that example? that you, you know, like want to be or right. tell of or show to be, how where are you in every human encounter? Are you embodying what you talk about? Right. Most difficult thing because we're a work in progress. Right, right. And that's tough too, because when you're forced, oh, to, yes. reflect, <laughs> you're forced <laughs> to reflect, you're like, oh, am I being want to be out here you know with my closest yeah. people you know and you have to almost check yourself but that comes with being conscious like you said you need to be aware because if, if you're not aware of your life choices and your decisions your subconscious mind mm -hmm. will take over for you absolutely and it still does by moments you know when i get overloaded in work and when i get stressed there's some automatic patterns which come up and the first one is in the female DNA is that of, oh my God, look at me. I'm the slave here. You know, like I'm doing all the work and they're doing nothing. And that's like, it's like, it's embedded in us. Yes. And then I go, Barbara, I, you know, like after a few minutes or seconds, I like, Barbara, we don't go there anymore. We don't talk like that anymore. You can choose. You don't have to fold the laundry right now if you don't want to mm -hmm. right but some people are so used to that pattern and they fold and they curse their kids they curse their husband you don't have to it's a choice mm -hmm. and the, the moment you see you choose every thought you focus on you choose every mood you become very powerful because you choose every response to every situation you're in. Right. But we're very conditioned. And that's okay. Once you see it, and sometimes you go back in conditioning, and then you go out of it, you're like, oh, it's just a very exciting adventure, <laughs> you could yeah, say. It is, and it's tough. And, you know, and in your experiences that you've had, like, for example, at, like at the hospital, and then just with, you know, just with moving on from your construction company after you found out about those two yeah. employees. These are very hard things to like go and be like. Oh, yes. Ugh. I cried you know, for like 48 hours. Once I knew, you know, about the betrayal, I cried for 48 hours nonstop. I was so, well, I was so, you could say disappointed, deeply, deeply. But then I was like, okay, now. Uh, we had the tears, <laughs> that's over. Um, this will not help you, but allow your emotions. First, when you're like a crisis or a shock moment, you have to allow your emotions first. Otherwise, it will work against you. So allow them, allow the tears, allow the anger, allow the, you know, like the first moment it has to get out, right. the emotion. 
And then when it, once it's out, don't dwell in it. Mm. Like then, you know, like then you take a step back and you look like, okay, what's the situation here? Mm. Right. But right. first, we are emotional beings. First, we have to feel the emotions, suppressing them and being like a robot or like that isn't healthy. That is not healthy for, it, for your well-being. Right. And being conscious of the decision, sort of what's yes. happening. Yes. And understanding yes. that you have the power to choose. Yes. And you should choose good because otherwise the negative is just going to. Yeah. Yeah. Just- <laughs> people, right? people, uh, I, I had an interview a few, few days ago and they asked me like, how do you stay so positive after everything you went through in life? And I was like, what's the alternative? Yes. Right. Sulk in your sadness. You know, yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, whoa. curse the world. Nobody ever went better from cursing the world. Right. And to you, I think your conscious decisions always point to your main goal, which is yes. your legacy. Yes. Right. So you Absolutely. not only did you choose, but you were like, OK, I'm going to choose because I want to create something in my life that's meaningful. Absolutely. That if I'm not here. Because I knew when I was in hospital that there's only one thing that matters and it's the people around you mm-hmm. because in that hospital bed whether you live in a hut or in a castle it doesn't matter yep. it's those people around you who support you who are there for you so i want to also to be you know like to be that person to support others to know that i could add value add value is maybe it's sometimes it's not. no just be in if i'm fully being me i'm a gift to another one to someone else right and being that gift but first to be that gift you have to have so full in self-love you have to go fully in self-love and self-acceptance and even you know like being so comfortable with yourself that even on an imperfect day you can laugh at yourself and say oh my God, you know, but it's okay. No big deal. Like my hair, you know, like we have a second lockdown here. I can't go to the, the hairdresser because, well, they're closed. Really? Is yes, a we have a second lockdown. Yes, we have a second lockdown. Belgium is one of the most, the countries where we had most cases and most deaths. So yes. And there was a time when I wouldn't have felt very comfortable in talking and like thinking, oh my God, my hair, uh, it's end of the day. And now I'm like, whatever, I'm here, I'm present and let me be the gift with, you know, like good hair or bad hair, <laughs> that, that doesn't matter. You... But maybe you have to become 50 years old to, to be like comfortable in your own skin yeah no you are a gift in every way because even through all the hardships that you went through you were still thinking about other people you know you were thinking about you know even when you were on the hospital bed it was your choices right but Mm -hmm. ultimately you were making a sacrifice because you were like you know i am gonna get better i'm gonna Mm -hmm. focus on positive thoughts ultimately you're looking out for everybody around you still i just Mm -hmm. think it takes a very special person to do that and i think that you are remarkable because even in those moments it you're still thinking about other people right you're like no no tears no tears if you're gonna do it go out there and you know you helped them yes through there and, and it shifted their mind state some way somehow so i just think the everything that you shared with me is super 
Amazing. And I do have to ask you, what was one person that really influenced you throughout, throughout your life? Jesus. Jesus. Always, always. And it's not like I'm so a religious person. It's not like in the dogmatic because I'm a very free spirit. So I have studied Hinduism, Buddhism. I have studied, you know, like all great um, teachings. But from childhood on, he, I have always felt very protected and very loved. And I can tell you a story. When I was seven years old, I just had done my Holy Communion. And I went to church. My parents were not churchgoers. There was not, you know, like lots of praying at home. And for some reason, it was the first Sunday after Holy Communion. And, you know, like I went to church. And it was the first time that I heard the story about turning the other cheek. Mm. And I was like, I had tears in my eyes. I was thinking, that is me. That is me. Because in turning the other cheek, you are so much more powerful than the angry person before you. The person before you is overwhelmed and swept away by emotions. And you just turn the other cheek and you stay kind and compassionate. And I felt in my heart like, yes, this is, it's just feeling the purity of the teaching at that moment. It is a very powerful thing to be able to stand your ground and like you said, turn the other cheek when the world expects you to react. Yes. Another thing is like when you're reactive to everything in your life, Mm -hmm. you're going to attract energies. Absolutely. And you, the moment you react or you become very judgmental or whatever, you lower your vibrations. Always always so becoming aware that it's not beneficial for yourself so it's like when you have to forgive someone it's not that you are approving of their behavior and you become a doormat it is not the forgiveness is a gift to yourself first Mm. you forgive you know like if you forgive that person the anger the bitterness and the hatred is not running your life anymore and not running your being anymore. So you take distance of that. If that person, you know, like had once a behavior that that hurt you deeply, you forgive and you move on. If it's repeatedly, take distance because you have the choice. Even it's your own parent, it's your own child, you have the choice. You set boundaries. Setting boundaries was a big one for me. It's a very big one because I feel very compassionate. I feel like one with person in front of me. And it has been a big one to find my own space, to always be aware of how I recharge my batteries. Like they say, you cannot serve from an empty vessel. Mm -hmm. And in being aware that I'm responsible for my happiness. I'm responsible for my vibes. I'm responsible for my energy. I become very much, and it's not always easy because you are claimed as a mom and as a wife. And sometimes I come to the office and I say, or I take a bath, I close the door, say nobody comes in. Mm. Let me just half an hour, an hour for myself. 
Mm. And taking that time. And it, that was a journey too, because 50, I think it's about 15 years ago, the first time I went to yoga class and the kids were still small. My husband was like, you're going away? It was like one hour, I'm going away for one hour. Oh no, honey. No, no. The kids were like, they were like 10 years old, eight years Mom, you're going to leave us? It was yes, one hour. So bit by bit, I had to reclaim my freedom, you could say. So five or six years ago, that was the first time that I went to the States for a conference. That was like my parents-in-law, they were like, oh my God, to my husband, she's having an affair. She's having an affair. She's going to divorce you. So I had to go through all of that, you know, like to stay pure to myself, to stay loving and kind, but not to be held back by beliefs from other people. Yes. Right. So it was, it, you know, like self-empowerment. And now, you know, like now in the beginning, they were like, oh, she's part of a cult. No, even my parents, my parents-in-law, she's part of a cult. Oh my gosh. And I was, I started making Facebook lives, you know, like videos and about divine and spirituality. And I came from, you know, a construction business. I lost friends over it. Mm. Like, Barbara, you are doing strange things. A good female, one of my best female friends in the beginning said, oh my God, are you doing that to get male attention? I was like, what? Oh God. Wow. And you know, it's a sign. Some people, when you step up in the world, when you grow, it is for some people so confrontational that they don't make those courageous choices, that they stay in that prison of their beliefs and from what society says, that they cannot handle you breaking free and you becoming a happy, independent woman. But I'm still a loving wife. I'm still a good mom. But for many people that doesn't, they're thinking, oh my God, you know, she's, and I'm very blessed to have a husband that he was like, hey, okay, you know, what's going on here? What's going on with you? It's only since a few months, even or a year that he fully supports me. In the beginning, he was like septic. Like, mm -hmm. oh, what's happening here? What's happening here? Let's see what's going on. But now... He's like, oh my God. A few days ago, he says, you know, honey, I really admire what you're doing. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> but if you step up in life, you have to face the storms. Mm -hmm. Always. You face storms. Amen to that. And if you have the vision and you know that your soul, you're following, you know, like your soul's purpose, not doing this for the money, although I'm making good money and I'm very comfortable with making good money and with buying beautiful things as an expression of who I am. It's not my identity, but it's for the aesthetics and for the, I love it. So, but having that vision, that what they call that purpose bigger than life, it's that purpose in bringing a powerful kindness into the world, in empowering people to make their choices. That's my mission. Mm -hmm. and it's so strong that i cannot <laughs> i cannot hold it back no you're living your life in alignment and everything has fallen into place for you and you're coming yes. from a place of love so everything is just that much more 
magnified and it makes sense that yes. you're doing all these different things now. And then I was going to ask you what you're up to with the Barbara School of Wisdom, online school of wisdom, which is looks yes. so wonderful, looks so, yes. so wonderful. You know, you're enabling people to stand up in their own power, you know, in their own Absolutely. way, which I Absolutely. think is so incredible. It's so incredible because once you do that, your whole mm-hmm. life changes relationships your career like everything the way you perceive life you know everything alignment is everything but first it starts with you self-development yes yes you know it's not like a get get rich quick scheme of you know business strategy and no and i'm not i'm not the kind of coach who charges ten thousand dollars for this or for services that are like you know like no i'm real i'm transparent it's a business and it's no how i'm very deeply spiritual but i'm very grounded because i'm into real life if you have every moment of the day the monk on the mountain it's easy to be spiritual and happy you know but having that real life, having all those situations, experiences, opportunities for growth, that's the real work. Ram Das always said, if you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family. Mm. It's in the real life, in, in doing business, in, in having those daily, daily, I won't say struggles, but those daily impulses like having to manage your time it's there like how can i do that in a light way in a joyful way right is it working all of the time no no i'm human you are human and sometimes i am overworked sometimes i am in a bad mood sometimes i make a mistake and sometimes i'm stubborn yes Mm-hmm. But then I try to look at it, okay, that sometimes I would say that's interesting because you get always the mirror. There's always someone who, who points, you know, like points at that weakness or that, like what's happening here? Mm-hmm. Ain't I supposed to be detached, happy all of the time? <laughs> no, <laughs> it doesn't happen. And bringing that into the world, I think like being a real woman with, with, with a real life and still being joyful and, and going lighthearted through life, that's what I love most. I love that. I love that. And you've shared so much amazing advice and experience for sure. But what would be for the ending question, what would be your biggest piece of advice, you know, for somebody who's struggling or know somebody who's struggling who's going through trials and tribulations because I know with COVID-19 now so many people are forced to shift in ways that they've never sort of known before you know they're it's a big struggle so what would you you say you are loved you are worthy and you are beautiful and repeat that to yourself all of the time you are loved you are loved in ways you can never imagine. I love that. I love that. Wrap yourself in that love. Wrap yourself in that love. Right. Right. And also, you know, with your online school too, Barbara, yeah. what, what's next for you um, in your world? Oh, wow. Very exciting news. I have been invited uh, in April. I'm going to speak at Harvard, invited by an organization, Blue Talks. 
talking about reinventing yourself. That's wonderful. So you're going to be at Harvard in, in Boston, in Cambridge? Yes. Oh, so I might meet you in person then in that case. Oh, I'm, I'm, are you? Yeah. Really? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, That's great. So <laughs> 9 and 10 of April. But let's hope that COVID doesn't, you know, yes, yes, make allows me to travel. So if I'm allowed to travel, we'll beat. That's wonderful. Oh, that's so awesome. I love that. Because like I said, more than ever now, everyone's forced to shift and change in some way, yes. somehow. And a lot of people aren't used to that. So I think the topic that you're speaking of is absolutely perfect. How to reinvent yourself. Yes. And you can. Yes. I did several times, so it's possible. And it's, it's never too late and you're never too old. Absolutely, absolutely. And Barbara, now where can everybody find your, you and your awesomeness? <laughs> okay, so people can just type in my name on LinkedIn. I'm very much on LinkedIn and connect to me on LinkedIn. I have a face. I think LinkedIn is the easiest thing because there you will find the links to my website, to my school. There's even my email address. There's my Calendly link to have an appointment. So everything is, is on LinkedIn. I love it. Barbara, thank you so much. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode. <laughs>